All right, so um, we're in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. It's the um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament. So some of you have started coming here, like, since we moved into the building. And so when I tell you that this is week 70 in our series in Luke, you're going to be like, what? We've never talked about Luke. So um, let's quickly, like, let's recap, right? So way back in December of 2015, we started a series called True Story, and we said we're going to walk through the book of Luke. Now, Luke is 24 chapters long, and they are long chapters, right? So we just took it a little bit at a time, kind of worked through it. And then when God said take a break and do something different, we would. And we kind of come back to it and come back to it. And so today we are at Luke chapter 21. And we are going to go from, from today to Easter through the rest of the book of Luke. Now, I want to make sure you understand the context of Luke, right? And why, why do we even call it true story, right? What's that about? So um, you'll see a lot of this on, on social media, hashtag true story. And all it means is whatever I just told you, no matter how crazy it sounds, if I hashtag true story, it's true, right? Hey, man, I just saw you. It's Ben Fibbs. What's up? It's good to see you. Anyway, right, okay, sorry. When our college kids come home, it's like, what in the world? Um. Okay, got to get back on track, right? So, so what, here's, what, here's what happened with Luke. There was a rich man, his name was Theophilus, and he went to a, a physician named Luke, and he said this. Listen, I've heard a lot of stories about Jesus. Now, Theophilus was um, not necessarily a follower of Jesus, but he was at least a Gentile who was curious, right? We know that for sure. And he said, I've heard a lot of stories about Jesus, some crazy stuff, like, um, like, being raised from the dead and all this kind of stuff and, like, healing people and, and a, something about a virgin birth. I don't know if I can believe it. It sounds too good to be true. And so he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fund your life, Luke, if you'll take time off and you'll actually go and research and talk to eyewitnesses. And I'm not making this up. If you read the first four, four verses of Luke, chapter 1, you'll see this is what it says. I'm just using my translation, right? If you'll go interview these eyewitnesses, and would you please go find out if I can believe this stuff? And so Luke starts off the gospel by saying, to you, Theophilus, here you go. So the book of Luke and the book of Acts in your Bible, these are like the reports that he brought back to Theophilus and said, you asked me to go find out, and here's what I found out. It's all true. Every last word of it. Hashtag true story. Okay, so that's where we get the, the title true story. Now this morning. We're going to be uh, talking, this, this little mini-series is called The Culmination. And here's why it's called The Culmination, because that means the end, right? Like the culmination of all things, right? So what we're going to find out is not only is this the culmination of a series called True Story, but we are looking at the, the last week of Jesus' life. Okay, Luke chapter 21. He's already in Jerusalem. He's already had the whole Palm Sunday celebration come in. They're like, yay, Jesus is here. And now he's in the last week of his life. So this is the culmination of our series, but it's also the culmination of the, of the work of Jesus on this earth. And that's more important than anything else. And so in Luke chapter 21, we find Jesus getting asked questions about the end of the age. Now, here's what I found as, as I'm studying. So I'm like, man, I'm not sure I'm qualified to even teach on this stuff. And then I, I felt better when I heard this. This chapter... Is the most argued about chapter in the whole Bible among, like, theologians. That means smart people, right? S smarter people than us, right? They argue over this chapter all the time. And so I want you to listen. The goal here is not that we would agree, okay? 
The goal is not that we would agree how Jesus will come or when Jesus will come. Listen to me closely. The important thing here is that we agree that he will come. Okay? That's critical. That's critical. And that's what Jesus is going to address in this chapter. Here's why that's important. We don't want to miss the Savior while we're looking for a sign. Okay? We do this thing called the big idea. And here's what that means. I'm going to talk for eh, longer than you want me to. And you're not going to remember everything I said, right? I hope you take good notes. But if you at least remember this, this is what we want you to walk out of here with, okay? Big ideas. They're not based in creativity. They're always based in the scripture that we're looking at. Don't miss the Savior while you're looking for the signs. It's so easy to miss things. Have you noticed this? Like you could be looking for something and you can't even see it. Like people around you are like, Come on, man. Like, remember, where's Waldo? How many of you were like, you always saw Waldo immediately? Anybody? Some of you are like, what is where's Waldo? How many of you never found Waldo? Okay, a couple of you. It's so easy to miss things, right? Um, I, I brought, we're going to do a couple things. Let's put the first image up. Do you see the cat? Do you see the cat? Can we show them where the cat is? Right there. So the, here's the thing about, so like, if I say, do you see the cat, you start looking at all the wood, like, he's got to be there somewhere, and it's like, you're, look, you're actually looking right at the cat, but you don't see the cat. It's so easy to miss things. I think we have a, you see how it works now, we have a couple more. Do you see the face? No? Keep looking. Did somebody get hurt? I heard ow. I'm kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. Yeah, let's do you, do you see the owl? Do you see the cat? <laughs> I feel like we just went full circle on cats there, right? It's so easy to miss things. We don't want to miss Jesus. We don't want to miss the Savior while we're looking for a sign. Because we're going to read an entire chapter where it starts with, give me a sign. I mean, without getting too personal and all up in your business, this is our prayer life, isn't it? Give me a sign, Lord. If you really want me to witness to my neighbor about Jesus, when I walk outside in the morning, my car should be flipped upside down. And God's up in heaven going, you don't need a sign. I gave you a command. I was very clear, right? This is our prayer life. Just give me a sign, Lord. And so what we're going to see in this chapter is a whole bunch of like, uh, okay, hold, hold on, time out, Jesus. When's that going to happen? Because I'm a little confused. Like you're talking about stuff, and it feels like I should be ready for that. So can you help me get ready by telling me when, what are the signs? And what Jesus is going to say over and over and over again in this chapter, and, and I'm, I'm giving you all this because we're going to blitz the chapter, right? Like it's a long chapter, and we're going to go quickly, is you'll see this over and over again. You'll, hear, you'll see phrases like, watch out, beware. Don't be deceived. He actually starts with watch out, and he ends with watch out. And what he's saying is, like, don't miss me while you're trying to look smart by figuring it all out. And, man, we like to try to figure it out. Can I just tell you this? We, as, an, as a church, we are so obsessed with understanding end-time prophecy. Nothing wrong with it. As a matter of fact, there's an actual term for it. I'm going to blow you away. You don't think I know these words. It's called eschatology. 
Eschatology is the study of end times. And there's nothing wrong with studying end times. But can I tell you this? Eschatology is not a puzzle to solve. It's a person to seek. And what we like to do is figure, we want to be the ones that figure it out. Because if we can figure it out, we have the power. If we can figure it out, we can write the best-selling book. If we can figure it out, we can profit on people's panic. And Jesus is saying it's not about figuring it out. It's not about solving the puzzle. It's about seeking a person. I heard a preacher as I was preparing for this, and I love this. He said this, when it comes to the return of Jesus, what we need to remember is that we're on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. That's really good, y'all. We're supposed to be ready to welcome him, not necessarily know all the details. We just like to know the details. So um, how many of you have noticed that a lot of people throughout the years have swung and missed on predicting the return of Jesus? I think there's, I can, I can remember at least a handful of times that we weren't supposed to still be here, right? So how, here's how that always works, right? The Lord has told me that he will return on February 30th. Whatever date you want to give it. I know somebody said May 21st, 2000, and I can't remember when he first said that, because he's, like, he's had like seven or eight tries, right? Like, so they predict a time, and then they go, oops, and they predict a time, oops. In between the oopses are usually like books, <laughs> the blood moon, right? I mean, like, man, we, I'm telling you, man, we profit, and it's not that we shouldn't study it. It's that what we find is that people like to have the power to say, I figured it out. So if I figured it out, you should probably hang out with me instead of Jesus. It's a danger. We want to avoid that. So here we are. Okay, Luke chapter 21. Here's what's going to happen. I do have two points today. But I'm going to start reading. Um, I'll try to stop and, like, give you some insight into the stuff that he's talking about. Um, here we go. Y'all go with that? Verse 5. Here we go. It will be on the screen for you if you need it. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said. Now, this is really important, Okay. The first four verses of the chapter are the widow's might. Remember, we just talked about this in our giving series. So the widow put in like two small coins, and that happened at the temple. So Jesus is watching this happen. You need to get this. Jesus notices a woman giving the smallest and yet largest offering ever given. But the disciples miss that because they're looking at this great temple. Just, Jesus, look at that temple. That thing is, wow. It's almost like Jesus went, what, what, I was, what, I'm sorry, what? I was watching this woman give everything she has. You were saying what about what? Oh, that temple. Yeah, it'll be destroyed. What? They're looking at it, and they're missing Jesus. In John, Jesus said that he was the temple. I mean, I'm just saying, like, we get caught up in stuff and we miss Jesus, right? But Jesus said, this time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. Verse 7 is you and I. This is the part we play. Teacher, when will this happen, right? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? Because he's talking about literally the greatest building in Jerusalem that the people of God had worked on for decades to finish. 
And he's like, it's going to be gone. Like, bye-bye to the temple. And so they're like, that doesn't sound good. When will that happen? We need to know, right? When's that going to take place? He said, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah, and saying the time has come. But don't believe them. In some translations, it says this, watch out. Watch out. Here's what he's saying. Listen, if you'll know me, then you'll know the people who aren't me. Because when panic ensues, and you all know we live in a society that's panicking right now, right? When panic is, and people are looking for a leader, they're looking for somebody they can trust, someone's going to step into that vacuum and say, it's me. Follow me. Or now's the time. I'm Jesus, or I know when Jesus is going to come back. But what have they messed up on? Jesus. Every cult messes up with Jesus. And he's like, look, know me. Focus on me. Know who I am, even if you don't know where I am. And if you'll know me, then you won't get jacked up when all this stuff happens. When the temple's torn apart and everybody's panicking, nobody knows what to do, and somebody stands up and says, I know what to do because I'm Jesus. You'll be like, uh, no, I know Jesus. You're not Jesus. Nice try. I know the date. Like, uh, excuse me, pardon me, idiot. Not even Jesus knows when he's coming back. Not even Jesus knows. How can you know? And he's just saying, like, if you'll know me, if you'll stay near to me, The Greek word for watch out in verse 8 means to take heed. What I want you to understand about the kingdom of God is this. So there's a a now and not yet approach to the kingdom of God. So we read promises and we're like, ooh, I want that now. Sometimes it happens now and sometimes it's not yet. One of the teachers that I was reading for this chapter said we'd be better off to wear bifocals while we read this chapter. Because bifocals allow you, I'm told, to see near and far, close and far away, right? Depending on where you're looking. Is this right? I don't have them, but I've heard. Yet. I don't have them yet, right? <laughs> it's coming. Ah, I don't want them, but anyway, whatever. I'm going to get big ones, right? So, so listen, here's why that's important. Because verses 5 through 24 of this chapter are not talking about something that we're going to experience. Verses 5 through 24 are talking about 70 A.D. It's already happened. It's when Jerusalem got destroyed. And their enemies came in and literally took the temple apart and not one stone laid on top of the other. That was the now part of this chapter. And then the next part of the chapter is the not yet part. It's when Jesus is going to return. And so we can't just say, well, well. Okay, that, that's for me or that's not for me. No, there's like a now and a not yet. And here's what I know. This is really important. Do we just ignore the first 24 verses of this chapter because Jerusalem's already been destroyed? No. Do you know why? How many of you have had bad days? Yeah, like we still experience the worst of times, don't we? And so here's what Jesus is saying. Imagine the worst situation that you could be in. And what would it look like? If even in your worst situation, you could still point to Jesus. Listen, the first thing I want you to remember today is point to Jesus in the worst. Point to Jesus in the worst. He says in verse 8, 
make sure you know that I'm authentic so that you'll know who is fake. And he says in verse 9, when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. These things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. And then he added, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a great time of persecution. How many of you read that and go, I thought that was the persecution? Right? That sounds terrible. And he's like, wait, that's like there's still something happening before that? You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons? You'll stand trial before kings and governors because you're my followers. How many of you know that we don't experience that yet? So, now, depending on your level of employment, right, like where you work, it might feel like when the boss calls you into the office, it might feel like you got dragged into, like, stand in front of people. We can't really relate to that, but we can relate to worse days. There is, there are seasons that we would say, man, that was the worst. And here's what I want you to get out of verse 13. This is, this is so key. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. I want that. The worst day is the day to point to Jesus. Hey, why you got me here? I know you dragged me here. Didn't really like it. Got some carpet burn. But while I'm here, I need to point you to Jesus. Because I recognize that you might be trying to destroy my life, but what God has done in a way that I do not understand, that he has created an opportunity for me to stand before you right now and tell you about him. What would the church look like if it wasn't full of panic? It would be a church full of hope, right? A church full of hope, giving people hope that are in crisis. How do we do that? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. He says this, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. There's that look out again. Beware. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, how do we stay secure in Jesus? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can I just break that down and make it really, really practical? Don't trust me to feed you so well on Sunday that you don't eat the next six days. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here's how you do that, right? That's it. Spend time with him. Cultivate your relationship. We grow in our relationship with Jesus and we'll find ourselves pointing to him even in times what we don't understand. So Jesus talked about uh, one of those times, so one of the times that we don't understand is what the, the rest of the chapter is about, right? So the first half of the chapter is all about, look, guys, there's a day coming, and that day we know because we're looking back was 70 A.D. when everything he talked about happened in Jerusalem. But then he talked about another time, another time that is hard for us, and that's, that's waiting. How do you do with waiting? Just curious, in traffic or at Carowinds. At the DMV. How you do with that, right? Like waiting is tough. And the reason is we don't we don't wait well. How many of you? I mean, I don't even know what your what your tolerance level is. Like, how many of you are like, if this line is longer than one minute, I'm out. I, I don't know. Some of you are like, I'll stay longer if I think it's gonna be be good enough. But some of you are like, I don't care. It, 
I mean, we could be doing the best thing in the world, but if I have to wait longer than five minutes, no. We'll come back, right? And the line's just longer when you come back. We get impatient. We get frustrated. We let our guards down. So at the very end of the chapter, verses 34 through 36, after Jesus talked about his return, right, not, a, not an actual date and time and hour and minute, but when he's talked about the fact that he is going to return, we don't have to agree about how or when, but we better agree about he will, right? When he's talked about when he will come back, here's what he says, watch out. Now, what's interesting is he started with watch out and he ends with watch out, but in the Greek they're two different words, okay? So the first watch out is, hey, hey, look, like be alert, be, 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 take heed, beware, watch out. This one is, wake up. I think it's interesting because when we're waiting, we tend to fall asleep. We tend to lose focus. We tend to say things like, God, how much longer? There's a movie I want to go see. Anything but this. It's like watching paint dry, right? We just get so frustrated and we lose focus. And so he closes this entire thing out about when he will return by saying, wake up. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and the worries of life. Things that you would never do if you were still alert watching. He says, don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Here's what Jesus is saying. Point to Jesus, point to me in the worst, but look for me in the waiting. All of us are in the waiting, right? Like that's what we're in right now because um, unless I missed it, Jesus has not returned. Am I, am I good on that? Okay, so we're all in the waiting room together. The question is what do we do while we're in the waiting room? We look for Jesus. We keep telling ourselves, this is why I'm here. This is why he's waiting. I love how Peter put it, the first part of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. Listen to what he says. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Everybody say anyone and everyone. It's not a club. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what Peter's saying is because it will happen, what holy and godly lives we should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Like, how do we hurry that day along? Anybody know? I think he's going to tell us, right? On that day he will set the heavens on fire, the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth as he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And here it is, here's how we hurry that day along. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for this to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, the first part of 15, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Listen, the delay is not to punish 
the church is to pursue the lost. That's why there's a delay. And we sit around like, God, when will he come back? Like, this, this life is awful. I hate it here. We sound like little spoiled kids, don't we? And it's like, guys, I, I don't want to come back yet because I want your neighbor with me too. I don't want to come back because, like, there's the whole city of Albemarle. I want them with me too. And so we see the delay as punishing us, but he's like, no, I'm trying to pursue them. And you can actually hurry that day along if you'll help me do that. That's great news. Man, for any of you that are here today and you've never met Jesus, you're not following Jesus, you know what, this is such good news. Because what he's done is, I'm going to hold off a little bit because I know that they're going to be at the gathering on Sunday morning. And they're going to have the opportunity to follow Jesus. And his delay is a gift to the lost. It's not a punishment to the church. There's time. And while we don't know how much time we have, we know that we have right now. A couple years back, I went and took, place, uh, took part in a run that was very unique. It's called the Bridge Run. It's in Charleston, South Carolina. Anybody done the Bridge Run? Yeah, I know. I, we're like Bridge Run buddies, right? So I've only done it one time. And um, here's what I experienced. Um, it's like now, it's, it's like 40,000 people. I think they had to cap it. So I think when I went, it might have been like, you know, they were just getting kind of started out. So like 35,000. But um, it's a lot of people, right? And so you, you start running. It's a 10K. You start running. And then eventually, like, you turn and you go up the bridge. It's a big, big bridge, right? And so you go up the bridge and over the bridge. And then you, like, finish the race. And, and as I'm going up the bridge, literally, they have to close both sides of traffic, right? It's just... It's a bridge full of people, y'all. It's crazy. Like, it's just, anyway, you have to, you have to experience it. Like, claustrophobic people don't do it, right? It's, it's just crazy. Wall-to-wall people. So I literally ran over people going up the bridge. I mean, we'll just run them over. Not because I was being a jerk, but because I'm running, and I'm like, God, the water is so pretty. Look over. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Is that a boat? Oh, I'm so sorry. Is that a dolphin? Oh, come, sorry. I'm so sorry. Just had to run like this the rest of the time. I was just so like, wow, this is, oh, God, wow. It was crazy. It was like I was so mesmerized by all the stuff around the bridge that I kind of forgot it wasn't called the around the bridge run. It was called the bridge run. This was what I was here for was the bridge, like run over the bridge. And I was running into people. Man, that's the church, I'm telling you. That's the church. That's us with the, with the return of Jesus. What was that? Is that a sign? Is that a sign? I think that was a sign. And we're just like a mess, y'all. I'm not saying we shouldn't study this stuff. I'm not saying we shouldn't know this stuff. I'm saying maybe we should be obsessed with it. Maybe we should make it our goal every single day just to see Jesus, to watch Jesus, to look at him, point to him, look for him. Bring people along while we do it and not run over people because we're so, God, that speaker and that conference and this book and give me the secret so I can write a book and make a million dollars too. We're so obsessed with everything but the person coming back. The thing about pregnancy, and I don't speak from experience because I've never been pregnant. The thing about pregnancy is this. They give you a due date. But they don't really know. It's their best guess. 
I mean, they, there's science. I get it. Like some of y'all are like, uh, I think it's a little more more uh, specific than that, Paul. <laughs> you know, whatever. But they don't know, right? They gave us a due date. My my sons came seven weeks early, right? So they didn't know, right? I mean, the guy came in and he's like, well, we would do a. This is might too might be too much. We would do a C-section if they're like under two pounds, and we're like, oh no, it's good, it's good, it's good, because like the ultrasound said, they were like four pounds each. Uh, they weren't. They don't know. It's just a guess, right? So. Like, you watch the signs, like, um, I mean, it's hard as men to watch the signs, because what do you say, like, looking a little bigger today, right? <laughs> what do you say? I don't know, but, like, we say, oh, there's a baby bump, right? Oh, the baby, oh, the baby bump, and then it's like a little bit, it's a baby bumper, and it's baby bumpist, right? It's like, it's like crazy. We watch the signs, but here's the deal, we don't know. We don't know. Can I say the return of Jesus should be like that for the church? Like, we see the signs, we're pretty pumped about it. We don't know when, and while we're waiting, what we're going to do is live holy lives. We're going to live such holy lives that people ask us, why are you living such a holy life? Because, like, he's coming. And I'd like to look my best when he gets here. I'm on the welcoming committee. When's he coming? I'm not on that committee. That's a committee of one, God. I'm on the committee that says, Jesus! Here we are. Woohoo! That's my committee. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to not miss the Savior while we're looking for signs. And I'd be so distracted trying to figure all that out. Like we get someone a badge and award for it and just see Jesus and welcome him here. Last point, and then we'll finish this out. The last verse of chapter 21. I love this. I don't know if you read the Bible like this or not, but this is how it just jumped off the page to me. Get ready. It's going gonna, it's gonna to light you up. The crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. Everybody say, wow. I know what, you're, what you really want to say was, what? That's what God told me. If you start at the beginning of the chapter, they're still, this, they're still at the same temple. Like, they start at the temple, they walk across the street to get up on the Mount of Olives looking at the temple. And it says every day he comes back to the temple and he's teaching them. And how many people came to hear him? Uh, the word flock is your clue. A lot. And he never answered the question. The whole chapter starts with the question, when will this happen? He never answers it. And people still flock to him. Here's what God told me. Getting closer to Jesus must be more important than getting answers from Jesus. And in our lives, man, it's the same. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to start to ask yourself this question. What do I want more? Answers from Jesus or to be near Jesus? Can you have both? I don't know, maybe. But what do you want more? And I think maybe what we need to repent of is wanting answers more than his presence. Or we can just say, I don't know when you're coming. But in, as I'm waiting, man, I'm going to be pointing people to you in the worst days. And I'm going to be looking for you while I'm waiting. And I'm going to bring as many people with me as I can. We're going to have a big looking for Jesus party. And if that's your heart, I just want you to raise your hand and say, man, I want to have that fire in me. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want that, God. I want, man, I want to be the best member of the welcoming committee ever. I don't want to get 
caught up with the signs and run over people on the bridge. I don't want to miss the main thing. I want to see the owl. I want to see the cat. I don't want to see all the stuff around it. I want to see the Savior. I don't want to miss him because I'm looking for a sign. So, Father, these hands that are up right now, God, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the service singing that simple chorus, Jesus, we love you. There's not a better chorus to wrap this day up. Today is all about Jesus. It's not about calculators and prophecies and figuring out formulas and all that stuff. It's not about our favorite conference speaker. It's about Jesus. Jesus. You. So, God, as we finish this time together, I'm just praying, man, you just minister to those of us that raise our hands. Fill us with a passion for you, God, to know you more than we know about you. Church, would you just stand together? Can we just sing that chorus? Jesus, we love you.